Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good Thursday morning, good people. This is Doug Farrar, editor of Touchdown Wire on the USA Today Sports Media Group Network, along with Mark Schofield, our five-tool guy. And Mark, week five, are we hitting the wall? I'm I'm hitting the wall. I'm, I, I am like run around the wall and you know, do things, but I, I, boy. Um, people that are listening to this or watching this probably know I do that like three throw series on YouTube. Yep. And, I mean, on YouTube, on Twitter. See, yeah, the wall. Um, the there first are guys, one I did, by the way, there are guys copying you on that and giving you credit now on Twitter. Yeah. I saw someone do that this morning, which is like, okay, Mark's got a thing. Eric, um, yeah. And other people are like snipping it. Yeah. And like giving me credit too, like um, Eric Crocker, what I did one on Lawrence, I guess, last Thursday oh, nice. or Friday, he like snipped just the one throw. I like and it a lot. Put it up there and tagged me and everything. So, so we appreciate it. That's fun. But the, the first one I did this week, Monday morning before coffee was Dak Prescott. And never, I recorded never, a video. Never watched tape before coffee. You well, here it this. is. You know this. I know. I know. Because I put it up. I felt good about it. Felt good off the bat. Felt good when I pushed send. I'm walking to the bus stop with my kids. And my phone starts melting down. And it's all these Cowboys fans saying, put some respect on our guy's name. He's not Zach Wilson. Because I had called him Zach Wilson. So I had to, like, once the kids get on the bus, run home, redo the video, and put it up again. So, yeah, the wall is here. And it's real. Yep. I have a fascinating stat about Zach Wilson. And by fascinating, I mean, blech, um, when we get to him and the Jets and all that. But let's start with the Rams at Seahawks. I'll be at this game. I'll be in the press. Yeah. First time I've been in a press box in Super Bowl 54. So that's kind of fun. Very fun. Uh, what's not fun for the Rams is how they looked against the Cardinals, especially Matthew Stafford. We're getting the Cardinals defense uh, when, you know, later in the show. Uh, the Rams are coming up a loss to the Cardinals who hadn't beaten them since 2016 when Bruce Arians was their head coach and Cliff Kingsbury was at Texas Tech with some guy named Patrick Mahomes. So that was, yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson in two regular season games against the Rams in 2021, 29 or 67 for 473 yards, one touchdown, two picks and a passer rating of 74.1 Russell Wilson against the Rams in the playoffs, 11 of 27 for 174 yards, two touchdowns, one interception and a passer rating of 72.1. 74.1, 72.1. This is the thing. Uh, every time Aaron Donald destroys their entire offensive line. Now, Gabe Jackson will help. He's played very well. But that's, you know, and then the, and what you saw from last year was, oh, Jalen Ramsey shut DK Metcalf down. And I said this at the time. I went back and watched all those one-on-ones. And I don't know how much Jalen's going to travel with DK this time around because they're playing him in the, that star slash slot thing a lot. Yeah, but if they do what they did last year and just it's you know mono a mono and here we go, Metcalf actually beat Ramsey quite a bit, and it was Russell Wilson missing the open shots. So that's something to watch. Um, and I wanted to get into I was watching Seattle's offense, you know, as I have, and it's just like explosive play after explosive play, and then. Fr- and I just got done watching the Ali documentary, the Ken Burns, uh, Ali, yep. Muhammad Ali doc. It's so good. And I was reading Joe Frazier's book on boxing. And 
Frazier brought up in his book that there are three, you can break it down even further, the three basic types of boxers. There are boxers, there are sluggers, and there are volume punchers. Sluggers want to get you on the canvas right away, and they wear out over time. You think George Foreman versus Ali in Zaire. Boxers keep you going late. They move around to avoid your punches, and they move in for the kill when it's time. They use the whole ring, and then when they can see you're getting tired, they just start attacking. And that's Ali against uh, Foreman, rope yeah. Yeah. Volume punchers want to get inside your reach and batter you and just wear you out. That's Joe Frazier whenever, but especially against Ali, who would want to stay outside his reach. And Frazier would just say, no, I'm going to cut the ring in half. And then in quarters, I'm going to push you into the ropes. I'm just going to kick your ass. And once it worked, twice it didn't. But that's, you know, the Seahawks are sluggers. They are, they are George Foreman. And they have the fewest offensive plays in the NFL this season, 211, but only the Chiefs average more yards per play than Seattle's 6.6. But they're converting 33.3% of their third downs down near the bottom of the league with the Lions, Broncos, Washington, and the Bears. So basically, if their offense doesn't knock you on your ass in the first three rounds, it's rope-a-dope, and they don't know how to recover. I don't even want to get into their defense because we all know that's just a tire fire. And nice recovery game for Matthew Stafford after what the Cardinals did to him. But I, I am surprised four weeks in, and of course we can't see a quarter of it anymore. Um, I get like, maybe, you know, we could compute X number of minutes into the first quarter. Right. Now it's the quarter. Now it's whatever, the quarter whatever. mark, not the yes. quarter poll. I know quarter oh, poll. Okay. Grammar nerds. Here we go. <laughs> um, yeah. We had a fascinating discussion on the uh, SMG Slack channel about this. It put me to sleep, but yeah. Anyway, that's my impression of Seattle's offense. It's big hit, big hit, big hit, a lot of whiffs, and then they get tired. And if your defense is capable of coming in and doing volume punches to the body, to the body, to the body, and then they can see your gas and they just knock you the bleep out. I mean, the Rams can do that. And I think that's what the Seahawks are. They are the ultimate feast or famine offense. And I'm surprised with Shane Waldron that the you, you have seen elements of the plan, but really it's a, you start to wonder, okay, it's not a Daryl Bevel offense or a Brian Schottenheimer offense or a Shane Waldron offense or a Pete Carroll. Offense. It's a Russell Wilson offense. And this is who he is. Yeah. Seth Goleta had made that exact point. Um, I think last night on Twitter that, you know, it's not those offensive coordinators. It, it's, it's a Russell Wilson offense. It's catered to what he likes to do. It's catered to the splash throws, the, the deep crossers, some scramble drill moments, scramble drill rules. Um, if they could put this together for an entire four quarters, they could be a very good football team. The, the problem, problem is, is like you, you can't, said, you can't, can't slug, you can't slug for 15 rounds. Nobody. Yeah. Can. Yeah. I mean, it was Mike Tyson was the same way. He was a slugger. He didn't have to be anything else early because he'd come in, he'd knock you the hell out in 35 seconds and then he'd go and home. be over. Yeah. That's it. But right now they, 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 they don't have the ability to do that. It, it's, it's extremely hard to sustain that over 60 minutes. And so, you know, at some point you'll need the defense to help you out right now. It's not. And, and that's where the Seahawks are right now. And you know, you can talk about the court, you know, you can say it's a Ken Norton problem going back to boxing right. <laughs> Ken Norton junior problem. Um, I think Ken Norton senior was more of a boxer. He would, you know, move around and volume. Yeah. Punch. But anyway, yeah. um, you can talk about the scheme all you want. When you throw darts at a dartboard at the cornerback position for two straight years, I don't know what else you expect. This was yeah. a badly thought out cornerback to me is the second most important position in the league right now. And you can't just what the hell it, you can't do that. 
or that's your why defense I, is going to suck. Yeah, that's why I had the Seahawks on my landed spots for a Stephon Gilmore piece before yeah. the Panthers came in because, you, you know, it's an issue for them. Cornerback is an issue, and I, I thought he would have made a lot of sense there. He could have helped there immediately, but he's now in Carolina. And the and, Patriots get to see him in two weeks. Yeah, Sidney Jones, another revenge game for the Patriots. Goody. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think uh, he's going to get the Adele promo that the Brady game got done. Probably not. Well, he's on Pup, so he can come back. It's week seven, I think, against the Giants. Yep. And then and then I think know, week nine is New England, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my thought. When I'm uh, in the press box, I'll be uh, volume punchers and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Here's my Zach Wilson stat. We know that pre-snap motion is a cheat code for most quarterbacks, right? Affirmed. Zach Wilson with pre-snap motion this year. No touchdowns, five interceptions. That's interesting. That That is – I went back through all the seasons. I think it was 2015 with Sports Info Solutions Database where they have motion. There is nothing even remotely close to that. Like – you know, Jared Goff last year had something like eight touchdowns and eight picks with pre-snap motion, but at least he had eight touchdowns. In an off in a, in a concept that's supposed to give you okay, and and Zach's a rookie, so he's going to need this is man, this is zone. This tells me you know this guy's over here. Uh, Michael first pretty pretty good, I would think, at eliminating certain defenders and creating matchups with motion because there's motion to indicate motion to you know disrupt and all that. You've watched Zach Wilson more than I have. Um, why do you think that might be possibly true? Because it is, I mean, it's true. It's the stat. You can look at it and go, okay, that's what it is. But what the hell? Yeah. I mean, I, I think like what are the, I'm, I pulled up his interceptions right now. So I'm kind of like watching them out of the side of my eye. Like what are the interceptions he threw? It was the first one against Denver, the Justin Simmons one. We actually talked about this last week when we talked yeah. about Wilson. There's, there's pre-snap motion there. Wilson had sped himself up in the pocket and all the pre-snap motion, all the stuff that you can do to inform a quarterback, to give him a, a better indicator of what the coverage I mean, is. play action too, which is supposed to be the other cheat code. It's like the Panthers thing with Sam Darnold where they're giving him both. Well, they're giving yeah. Zach Wilson both. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't on the guys on the sideline. This is on right. the kid. Yeah. And it's between the ears because you can give the quarterback all the stuff to help him. But if he's doing things to his own detriment, such as like on this play, speeding himself up in the pocket, cutting his drop short, staring down his intended target because he has information and he knows this is where he wants to go with the football, a good player in the secondary is going to take advantage of that. And so it's now on the quarterback to, okay, I've got this information and I might feel a little bit uncomfortable about the protection in front of me and around me, and I might want to speed things up. But since I know this is where I want to go, my eyes go elsewhere first. My eyes go middle of the field. My eyes go backside. My eyes go elsewhere first because I know I've got the information. I've got the answers to the test. Now he has to sort of pair that with better use of his eyes. I think, you know, the, the coaches have at times done a good job for him, to give them that information, but he hasn't quite taken full advantage of it. So, whereas like Justin Fields, and we'll get uh, obviously there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, and he golf clap for Matt Nagy for figuring out what we all, what we all knew. Um, Justin Fields on one of his four deep throws manipulated the safety over. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. It, with Wilson, is it that it's not only that he's not using eye discipline to the Jaworski quote, eye discipline? Um, it's 
that he's not doing that, but moreover, defenders are, are getting the tell from his eyes. Is that kind of what's going on? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, particularly that that Simmons interception, that's exactly it, because you can see, you know, early in that play, Simmons is just driving on it. Like, you know, when Wilson hits his depth in the pocket and he's again cut it short, which is throwing off the timing of it, Simmons, from a deep alignment, he's like eight yards over this receiver that Wilson is targeting. He's already driving on the throw. Like, before even the hands separate, he's driving on the throw. And so, yeah, I mean, corners and safeties have, I think, at times figured out Zach Wilson. Which, yeah, that's that's a problem. Now, at the same time, look, Wilson made some great throws in that Tennessee game. They were splashy, yeah, scramble drill. It's against Tennessee. You know, the, the throw he had in overtime I thought was great. It was from the pocket. The defender and man coverage couldn't get lined up. Like, he's in the middle of the field, and they've got a three-receiver bunch to the left. He, the guy he's supposed to cover is running an out route. I mean, Wilson did a good job on that play of taking advantage of the situation, but he's got to get better with his eyes. At a certain point, he's going to have to let – he's going to have to be more boring and let the game slow down. We talked about Zach Wilson last week. I, I said to me, it's like one of those things with quarterbacks who are not in sync. They're playing too fast and too slow at the same time. Yeah, It's it's too fast in their head, so it's too slow with the body. And you can see that with him. That's kind of where it is. Yeah, exactly. Packers at Bengals. Packers signed Jalen Smith. Maybe he can play at an above-average level. And Devondre Campbell, by the way, has he's been playing really well for the Packers. So, you know, Packers could have two good linebackers for the first time since Vince Lombardi, maybe? Yeah. They had to move Clay Matthews inside years ago just because they couldn't figure that position out. Um, so good for them. Not good for them. Jair Alexander is out with the sprained AC joint in his shoulder, could be out for a long time. And uh, advice to the Packers, don't play cover zero against Trevor, uh, against uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah. You know why? Because he'll check out of it. And he'll check it. out of it. And apparently Joe Burrow is one of those people that he's like going to do his homework, right? Because that that check to – the, the jailbreak screen to see Jews Manada. Um, he knew it was because their defensive coordinator had Baltimore roots and played a lot of zero, which tipped the hat. He did a check against the Vikings. I think it was week one earlier in the season. Uh, when I was doing research for that, the story I wrote on Burroughs check, he did something similar against the Vikings. Like, yeah, that was the fourth down play at overtime. Yeah. Where they had a run call that he saw like that look. And he's just like, you know what? I- I'm going to throw the football here. And, Freedom to coaches giving a quarterback, a second year quarterback, freedom to do that. That's huge. Yeah. Second year where he missed half of his rookie season. And he had, this is his first really off season, of course, because, yeah. you know, so very impressive there. Uh, Jair Alexander's out. Now they had sort of started, he's an outside corner, obviously. They had started to move him inside. You know, Joe Berry wants to play the star. And I'll say the Packers defense has become a lot less. Uh, vulnerable they're actually using stunts they're i think they've made the coverage issues uh, you know the the checks less complicated i think they i think Bur- i think joe barry under complicated the fronts and over complicated the coverages early on i think that's working itself out but when you have no jair alexander for several weeks it sounds like yeah that's bad because he is he is the one guy in that secondary that you can trust on every down yeah and i saw that they might, I mean, surgery hasn't been ruled out yet. And if he has surgery, and if you get surgery, it's over. That's yeah. 
that's ugh. another team that was in the running for Gilmore. Yep. Uh, Lions at Vikings. I will say the other side of Justin Fields' big game against the Lions is that the Lions defense, man, they don't, they just don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And Kirk Cousins is playing very well. Did this get ugly for Detroit? I have nothing to add. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I actually picked Detroit at least to cover. Um, but that probably what's, tells what's you the that spread? I think it's eight and a half. Mm. I mean, but I the way my the, the way my picks are going this year, Doug, that probably means Minnesota wins by 20. So uh, that was that would be my first instinct. Yeah. 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 So look, I'm I'm struggling right now, so I'm just taking some swings. No, I'm I'm the puncher at this point. You're you're just, the you're the volume puncher. I'm the volume puncher right now. I'm just taking some wild swings. Yeah. Uh, so you're you're a volume puncher in theory. You're a slugger in practice. I think that's exactly right. So you're basically, you're Seattle's offense right now. <laughs> I'm very Seattle's very low, offense right high, now. High big play rate, very low conversion rate. Yeah. Yeah. And not a lot of plays. Ouch. Yeah. Maybe you don't do that. Maybe don't do that. Broncos at Steelers. Um, so the Vic Fangio Baltimore thing, <laughs> I'll just say this. <laughs> they, they continue their record of 100-yard games, Baltimore does, with the Lamar Jackson run late. Last play of the game, Vic Fangio comes out and says, oh, this is the kind of crap Baltimore does. They don't care about player safety. Vic, love you. But on your last drive, with Teddy Bridgewater already in the concussion protocol, you called three timeouts so Drew Locke could throw three deep passes when you were down 23-7. to So shut up. Yeah, that's what Harbaugh said. He's like, they'll throw it in the end zone. I didn't realize there was a 16-point play like MTV Rock'em Jock'em softball. What would a 16-point play look like? Off the, off the scoreboard. Off the scoreboard. Off the upright. Off the, off upright. the crossbar. In the receiver's hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing but catch, yeah. I immediately think Mahomes is going to do that. He probably could. They need to do that. Remember the Jordan Bird uh, McDonald's commercial where they yes. were playing horse? They need to do that with, like, Mahomes and Rodgers or something. That could be I like fun. it. McDonald's, like just, just, just send us the, the, you know, the residuals for that one. Yeah. Send us some at ribs. Yeah, that too. Uh, Broncos at Steelers. I have only one thing to say about Pittsburgh's offense. Never run the flat pass to Najee Harris behind the line of scrimmage on fourth down. Ever again, don't do it anymore. They tried it okay. against the Bengals. It didn't work. They tried it against the Packers. It didn't work. Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger tried to explain that they went. Uh, they want to run these when defenders are playing a picket fence against them. Right. And when I read that, I thought, you know what? You say something or you hear something and a word gets stuck in your head and you start to you spin it into other words and other ideas and then something else gets stuck in your head. Yep. When Mike Tomlin says picket fence, he's like, picket. Ooh, Kenny Pickett. Hey, Matt Canada, how would Kenny Pickett look on our offense next year? <laughs> because our quarterback is cooked. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Ben, I mean, we've, we've talked about Ben. Ben has been yeah, a sort I, of thing dating back to like last season but yeah i mean could kenny pickett be the first quarterback off the board i don't know i mean i'm I'm warming up to the idea and he certainly played at a very high level this season i mean he has more touchdowns than like i saw a stat today than like six different quarterbacks that we thought were going to be good at combined is um, he the, is he this year's joe burrow I wrote so two weeks ago, or because I don't, I you know more about draft quarterbacks than I do. Was he like a thing last year, or is no, it this year? No, I I wrote 
two weeks ago that he might be having a Mac Jones kind of rise where mm-hmm. it's, this was a guy that we weren't sure about. Now he might play his way into the middle of the first round, but that's right now. Like you look down the road and if he, I'm pulling up the schedule now. Um, if he continues to play at this level, like they've got Virginia tech this week on the road and then October 20, actually, no, that's in two weeks. And then Clemson, Miami, you know, and then the showdown one, the resume game could be November 11th that night because they play UNC at home. And if he plays better than Sam Howell in that game, which is, forget, you know, because you don't, you never know which Sam Howell's going to show. Right. I mean, forget, you know, the, the Mac Jones rise. We could be talking about the Joe Burrow rise. And Matt Corral, he had an opportunity for that resume game against Alabama. It didn't quite happen. That was rough. Did not quite happen. I, now, did, we still I get, did not, you know, it was Alabama, so I did not have my popcorn ready, Coach Kiffin, but uh, ouch. Yeah, I, He's one of those guys I want to like, but I just can't buy in. I, yeah. It's like he's got everything you want to like in a quarterback, but it's just not. So speaking of schedules, uh, the Steelers are one and three. <clears throat> they have the Broncos, then they have the Seahawks, then a bye, then the Browns, the Bears, the Lions, Chargers, and then the whole AFC North you know, war of attrition shows up. So they can be picking top 10. That that it could be because what did I say before the season? And I said it like every week when we talk about the Steelers, any defensive regression, the offense can't pick it up and that's no. what's happening. So that's how you wind up. You know, I don't think Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record. Uh, I think that could change this year. That could change. And, you know, his endorsement that Ben Roethlisberger is the best quarterback for us right now. I think that was more of a, we don't have any other option. We well, yeah, you have Dwayne Haskins. You have Dwayne Haskins and, and Mason Rudolph. Yeah. I mean, at least the duck guy was more interesting because he was a duck. I yeah. But yeah. Uh, that's a problem there. Let's see. Dolphins at Buccaneers. There was a comment by Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald this week, which was revealed that the Dolphins really don't have a plan on offense. They have two actual offensive coordinators, Eric Studeville and George Godsey. Studeville on the two coordinator thing this week. It's more execution and doing things of what we're calling a collaborative effort has been good with us putting ideas together and formulating what we want to do. We just got to execute it better. Uh, they're talking about, you know, should we put in more plays where uh, Devonte Parker can gain separation? Yeah, that'd probably be a good idea. Uh, yeah. Do we want to create more, you know, big plays for our quarterback? That would probably be a good idea. I just, I mean, I it, I'm, re- I I'm reminded I of, I'm not, I don't see a plan here. I don't see a lot about quarterbacks. What's the old line about quarterbacks? If you have two, you really have none. Yeah. I think you could say the same about offensive coordinators. If you have have five offensive coordinators, you have none. Yeah. And that's where they're at right now. Jacoby Brissett, he's had opportunities to make throws downfield and he hasn't felt comfortable making those throws. And he said during this week that he's still trying to figure out what he can and can't do. And Kyle Krabs, we love him, pointed out that, look, if you're at this point in your career and you're still trying to figure that out, then there's probably a big problem. And well, if you give if you give Jacoby five minutes to figure it out, he's going to need ten. If you yeah. need him to figure something out in two seconds in the pocket, it's going to take him six. I'm not disputing his intelligence. I'm saying the processing speed has never been there, and that's two different things. Yeah, um, I favor myself a fairly smart person. If I had to figure something out in two seconds in the pocket, I'd wet my pants and run off the field. Yeah, it is a hard thing to do, um, but that's kind of where they. That's are. the job. Uh, one thing about Richard Sherman, and this this goes into Sidney Jones in Seattle and Stephon Gilmore in Carolina. It, it 
he did not play well. He had three days with the team. I think he had two practices. Um, hasn't played since last season. And Collinsworth brought this up on the broadcast. I think it was a really good point that, you know, the Buccaneers have played a lot of cover two, cover three this year. So you think, oh, Sherm, cover two, cover three, his whole career. That's a natural fit. Well, it's not all, because in San Francisco, maybe they say, okay, this is zone all the way. You're going to have Jaquiski Tart up top help in yeah. you know anything past 10 yards. And Todd Bowles may say, I'm not saying this is what it is. It's just an example. Uh, Todd Bowles may say, okay, we're running, you know, three robber here. So Winfield's going to check down. So anything up the seam, you have no help. You have to match the stem. So even if it's cover two, it's not always the same cover two. I think Sherman will be fine, but it did really illustrate, and they're desperate at corner. They still are. They have like nobody. Um, you know, that's one of those things where you give it a few weeks. I think Sherman will be fine. I think Sidney Jones will be better, but you know, I thought it was a great point that just because the coverage is the same in the SIS database doesn't mean it's the same on the field. Right. Right. And, you know, he was a podcaster five days before having to play 98% of the snaps. Yeah. Like I think Sherman's going to be okay. You know, I, I think right now they're in a tough situation with the cornerback spot, but he'll be okay. I watched, I've known Sherman since his rookie year. Uh, I wouldn't say we're friends, but we know each other pretty well. Um, he, I can, he sounded confident, but not in like a covering up the fact that he can't do it anymore kind of way. Like he was just calm. It was like, I can do this. Whoever signed, it was before they signed him. He says, whoever signs me, I can do this. Um, so I, I think he can. Um, I thought he showed good movement skills on the field. It's just, you can't throw a guy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're, it's already going at 10,000 miles an hour and you're okay, go drive this. And it's just, it's tough. Yeah. Speaking of tough and defense, Saints at Washington. Washington has the third worst EPA per play allowed on defense. They're sixth worst, worst in positive play rate allowed. They've played man on 57 passing attempts, fifth highest in the league. And in man, don't play man if you can't play man. Yeah. They've allowed 33 completions for 420 yards, <laughs> three touchdowns, no interceptions. I was listening to Coach Vass on a Washington podcast this week, and he said that this is a situation where the game has passed your defensive coordinator by. And Vass knows a lot more about defense than I do. But I was reminded of talking with Cody Alexander three years ago for the match coverage series. And I told the story before. He told me that he got to sit in on a Broncos install when he was a grad assistant at Baylor and Jack Del Rio was a defensive coordinator in Denver. And John Fox and Jack Del Rio were trying to figure out basic high school install against Robert Griffin in the zone read. Yeah. So maybe that's the problem. Um, I will say that I watched tape this week with Matt Ryan and he had three deep passing attempts in the first three weeks of the season with no completions. He had six deep attempts with two completions against Washington. And I asked him why the decision was to turn it loose all of a sudden, you know, was it like you're getting comfortable with Arthur Smith or Cordero Patterson is this and that, or was it just what you saw? And he said, it was the looks we had. Like we looked at Washington's defense and went, holy shit, we can just throw it all over the field. I mean, until the last part of the game, which was, you know, another example of falconing, yeah. that's what they did. So when the quarterback on the NFL's worst offense by DVOA is looking at your defense and looking at his chops. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Washington, you know, we all thought I 
for one thought that Washington was going to be great because of their defense and that's not happening right now. And, and Bass, who obviously, like you said, look, knows more about defense than me made a great point about how maybe, you know, the scheme is not good enough for today's NFL. Now I, I do think that, you know, there are some issues with not getting the kind of pressure that they thought on a consistent basis. Although I think they were a little bit better, particularly at the end of the game. But, well, they're getting a lot of pressures, but they're not getting home. Yeah. And when you have coverage that bad on the back end, you have to get home. Yeah, again, it's the idea of, you know, how you need both pass rush and coverage. And they don't have it right now. Tying pass rush to coverage. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it, it's funny how whenever I see a defense ascend and then I go into the weeds to do a tape piece on them, this happened with the pet, you know, like... <laughs> at some point I'll find an article or a transcript where the defensive coordinator says, Oh yeah. The most important thing is to tie pressure to coverage. Yeah. It was the Rams last year. It was the Panthers early this year. It's now the Cardinals. If you don't have that, you don't have anything. Uh, where any thoughts on uh, Taylor Heineke against the Saints defense? Cause the Saints defense is still, you know, quite good. Yeah. I mean, or just t- Taylor Heineke in general, cause I did not get a chance to watch him. I have not I- for a couple of weeks. I mean, he made some impressive throws in the second half of that game. Um, he's still a very high variance quarterback. He's going to make some mistakes, and I think that Saints defense is going to punish him for some of those mistakes more than, say, you know, what we saw from Atlanta last weekend. Um, but I still I, – there, there's something about Haneke that I just enjoy watching, and, and I think there's an opportunity for him to also make some plays, and I think there's an opportunity for him to hit on some stuff downfield, even though he's not known for having this incredible arm – he made some throws with trash at his feet in that game against um, Atlanta where, you know, you had to put it downfield and he all it is his upper body and he used some torque to generate enough velocity and RPMs on those throws to make him. So, you know, I think he'll make some plays against this team. It's just the, the bigger questions in Washington, not what we expected. We expected quarterback to be the big question, but right now defense is the big question. Yeah. Um, they still have, I think they have, yeah. Antonio Gibson, they have him healthy, I believe. Uh, Terry McLaurin is still just clowning everyone he faces. That guy, he's yeah. top. He's the top five receiver. We're not talking about. Yeah. Um, although DJ Moore is also coming close. <coughs> so yeah. Uh, yikes. Uh, yeah. I gave William Jackson. I gave the William Jackson signing an A plus. I said okay. They were like a the third best defense in DVOA last year. Well, the real was the defensive coordinator last year. The only thing I can think is they played a ton of zone last year. They're playing a ton of man this year, and something is not. Maybe Del Rio can't call man and needs to go back to whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Student of man and zone Eagles at Panthers. And it's not, as we said, it's not um, relative to this particular game. I will say that last year, his first season as a Panthers DC, Phil snow played the second most zone on all downs and the third most zone on passing downs. And as it turned out, that wasn't a choice. It was a necessity. Because he just didn't have the guys he wanted. Well, what do they do? They take J.C. Horn in the first round. What is J.C. Horn? Aggressive, man-based corner. They trade for C.J. Henderson when uh, J.C. Horn gets hurt. What is C.J. Henderson? Back to his days at Florida. Same thing. They trade for Gilmore. Now, Gilmore, and I saw this stuff about why did the Panthers take him because he can't play zone. Not true. And we'll get into the numbers there. Um, Gilmore, you know, when he was a – the defensive player of the year in 2019, he played man better than anyone else played zone top five played slot top five. So when he's healthy, he can do everything. Um, 
So I think I won't get into all the numbers, but um, basically the Panthers are playing a bit more man this year. I think snow wants to be extremely multiple and aggressive with his fronts and play. I would say match behind it, not man or zone, but match. And I don't know what Horn's situation is with this, the broken bones in his foot, whether he'll be back on the field this year or not. But think of a, a, a three cornerback rotation with J.C. Horn, C.J. Henderson, and Stephon Gilmore. Those are three alphas who want to just obliterate you on your routes. That and <laughs> with those fronts and all the stuff they do and the multiple position guys, everyone from Morgan Fox to Jeremy Chin. I mean, holy crap! This could, yeah, this yeah. could be something else. Not this, this could be week, a fantastic this season, month, but you know, this season. Um, and if they're, if they get Gilmore on a longer deal and he kind of becomes what, you know, uncle Sherman, San Francisco, what Richard Sherman did, where he's kind of telling everyone, okay, I've seen everything I can show you the way forward. Yeah. This could be a very good defense a month from now, two months from now down the road. Absolutely. I I love this move for Carolina. Um, I I think Gilmore could do anything you ask of him from a coverage standpoint, whether it's man zone, man match zone match, like. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And you've got now, like you said, the Uncle Sherman role where he can be sort of that like mentor to these two young corners. And it's a young defense generally, like having a player like that that's had, you know, the experience that Gilmore has had, that's played in the big games that Gilmore has played in. Yeah, this is this was a, a fantastic move for Carolina. I will say that the one thing the Panthers, Panthers should not do and probably no one else should do, don't play man against that Prescott three of his touchdowns against yeah. me, and those guys just didn't know what they were doing. It, yeah. That, that was, um, and Dak is playing at a level. Just that's playing extremely. God, talk about processing. Um, yeah. He's, he's seeing it as well as any quarterback I'm looking at right now. Yeah. He's feeling fantastic. And that offense is great. That, that Dallas defense is good. We're going to um, talk about that. Yes, yeah. we are. Yeah. Uh, back to Eagles at Panthers, Jalen Hurts. I know you do the QB factory reboot, and I kind of lean on you for Hurts stuff. I wanted to yeah. watch some of it because I didn't want to get too behind the eight ball with it. A couple of big games in a row, but even against the Chiefs, who have like the worst defense in the NFL right now, he's still missing open shots. There's this third and eight. I, I know you've done the play, play I'm talking about. The third and eight early in the game where he ran around as if he was a little kid trying to make himself dizzy. And yeah. then he ran out of bounds short of the sticks. And he had stuff open downfield. And I'm like, what are you? And then he'll make three plays in a row where you're like, yeah, he's the franchise guy. And then there's one or two where you're thinking, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, I thought he was better than he was, obviously, against Dallas. And a lot of that might be the difference between the two defenses. I thought Nick Sirianni's opening game script was good. Um, well, he had I, one this time. Yeah. That, that um, helps. I, I, do, I do think it's important with, with Hertz. It's his eighth start in the NFL. Eighth, yeah. um, it's his third offensive system in three years, dating back to Oklahoma. And, and both as a passer and a runner, he is setting yardage marks that are historic. So yeah. I'm not saying he sucks. No. I'm saying no. that he's, he's making a lot of great plays and there's that, room to improve. He's, I mean, really at a rudimentary level sometimes, and I don't know what it is. I'd like to study it more and go, okay, it's this or that thing. Maybe you know, based on your study, there are things about NFL defenses that just completely vaporize his brain. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look at it deeper to figure out the answer to that. But, you know, there are just moments where it might be just the athletic quarterback could under where if you're not completely comfortable, you've been able to make something happen with your legs almost every other time you've tried it. 
So you try it again, and that might work on Saturdays against Texas. It might not work on Sundays against even a Kansas City defense that has been struggling because the athletes are just that much better. And when you think you can escape and extend, suddenly you can't, and now you're doing the roadrunner thing in the pocket. Yep. Meet me. Yep. Titans at Jaguars. I have no doubt that Trevor Lawrence will put the Titans past defense on a spit because everyone does. And before we get into the obvious story, I think what I've seen from Lawrence so far, he has the biggest case of horse balls I've seen on a rookie quarterback since Andrew Luck in 2012. And what I mean by that is when Luck came in and Bruce Arians was the offensive coordinator, they threw the entire playbook right at his head at hundred miles an hour and said, all right, we're giving you the entire structure. We're giving you the entire vertical passing game. And we're giving it to you from week one. And there is no ramp up and luck handled it at a molecular level. And what I'm seeing from Lawrence, even in a, it's a very limited route that it's gotten better, but it's very, it, it's, you know, Bevel and Schottenheimer. It's kind of what they are, but the, the throws he's making that the, the, the throws he made against the Bengals downfield, there were, there was the, the sideline throw and it, it's very, and I, you know, I'm kind of waiting around for the lightning when I say this, there's, there are some, there's some very Aaron Rodgers stuff to his ability to both in the pocket and on the run, make downfield perfect timing window, this big stick throws that you just don't usually it, it's unusual for a quarterback at any level for a guy to come in as a, as a rookie and this absolute disaster of a franchise as it is. And uh, when I was interviewing Matt Ryan this week, he of course was the Falcons first draft pick after the Bobby Petrino thing. And I asked him pursuant to this, did you see any of that dysfunction when you came into the building? And he said, it may have been there. I was just too naive to know at that time what it may or may not have been. I'm just hoping the same thing for Lawrence because God, he's special. He he's doing stuff that most of the quarterbacks in the NFL can't do. And he's doing it this early. Um, So I wanted a little football thing. And uh, I mean, you've, you played up to division three college football. You've had a lot of coaches. And I will say, I mean, you're a Patriots fan, so you've been studying Belichick for 20 years. Best coach, maybe of any, you know, certainly best football coach I've ever seen, maybe the best coach in any sport. But Belichick, and certainly not intentionally, has caused his team uh, no shortage of distractions over the years. And, and that goes back to retiring as the HC of the NYJ and whatever. Um, but when you have Urban Meyer, who, I mean, they, they should have known. There was the racist strength coach that he apparently vetted and then had to fire. There was the Tim Tebow clown show. There was the violating Josh Allen's HIPAA when he was trying to talk about vaccinated players. And I mean, all along, this has been, you know, I just, I remember talking to Pete Carroll in his, it's halfway through his first year with Seattle. So we were all a little bit like, "Mm, we're not sure. And I asked Pete, in, in kind of a direct fashion, it's like, why should we believe you're different? And he said the year between the Patriots and SC, he wrote a column for NFL.com. He did some TV work, but he read a bunch of John Wooden books and kind of got his head straight about, okay, this is what is required of me. I have to take this more seriously. I have to be more of a presence. And that worked at SC. Turns out, hey, worked pretty well in Seattle. 
I don't think Urban Meyer understands what the position requires. I think he's been St. Urban for so long in the face of some really questionable to disgusting decisions throughout his career. For some reason, we just want to ignore it. We want to put him on TV as an analyst. We want to, Urban is untouchable. I don't know why, but some guys are. You know, find yourself a protective substance like the Teflon around Urban Meyer. So you, I, you know, I don't, I'm not really good at being told what to do. As you know, you've played for coaches. How do you, how do you see this? I mean, I've said this week on a couple of different shows that whatever the under is on the over under is on Myers tenure with the Jacksonville Jaguars, you hammer that under. Cause I don't think this is a sustainable proposition. This is not Columbus where you are a God, where, you have the belief that you can walk into a bar that is yours where your picture along with a picture of your wife is plastered on the walls and behave. How do you get in trouble? I was thinking somebody asked, how do you get in trouble in your own? I think it was Spencer Hall. How do you get in trouble in your own restaurant? I was thinking of casino. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's how. Yeah. I mean, it's the NFL is a different thing. The NFL is a different beast in college that will get swept under the rug and nobody will care. But now you're the head coach of an NFL team and Amy Trask, she had a fantastic piece on yes. the other sort of inconsistencies and departures from the norm of just not traveling back with the team. Like, you know, and after then, an absolutely soul crushing loss. Yeah. And now yeah. they're 0 and 4. That yeah. to me looks like your co- my, our coach is giving up on us. Yeah. We, we, they played the best game of their season. Yeah. They almost won that game. Those kids are heartbroken and you don't have the, the understanding in your big, dumb, stupid head to get your ass. Uh, uh, people have made this point through the week. Um, you're Urban Meyer. You just signed a, you know, you got all the money in the world. Shad Khan's, I'm sure, got a private plane. If you want to go back with the team and then fly your ass back on a long yeah. week and do whatever you want to do in your own, okay, go ahead. Yeah. And so it's a joke. And then the way he sort of mishandled it out of the gate at the start of this week, right? Where he like didn't address the team. And then he's like doing a piecemeal. And then he has this thing where, you know, I always try to do these in, by position groups. Like, yeah, when you're installing game plan, sure. But you got to stand well, now up. Now he's saying it's really on the players to provide leadership. No, this is on you. Urban like, Meyer this is, is an punk. Urban Meyer <laughs> problem that an Urban Meyer, that Urban Meyer created. Like you have to be a leader here and he's not. He's not capable of it. He never has been. It's just, you should have known. Well, my thought was, and I like when the Huskies hired Tyrone Willingham and they had had all this lack of discipline before and Tyrone came in and he was like, he was all about deportment and players must, must act a certain way. And they went 0 12 that year, like the worst college football team I've ever seen the Huskies overcorrected. I think maybe after Tom Coughlin going, you know, full, grumpy old man Clint Eastwood get the hell off my lawn and he basically destroyed the best defense in the NFL in two or three seasons. Maybe the Jaguars overcorrected from, you know, nasty uncle Tom Coughlin to this guy who, well, you know, we know he's a little loosey goosey and maybe he doesn't have the best judgment, but he's a great coach and he can relate to whoever. Um, Yeah. If I'm, if I'm Shad Khan, I eat the money and just yep. Move on. I think so. Now Daryl Bevel, I believe he was an interim coach a couple of years back. I think with the Lions, he's the only yep. person on that coaching staff with any head coaching experience in the NFL. 
Just saying. Okay. Yeah. And maybe Urban set it up that way. Maybe Urban is doing all this to get fired. Maybe, maybe, maybe there are people maybe that have he knows, that okay, already. the NFL is too hard. Yeah. The NFL Network had a whole top 10 on it. And I have said, you know, take Pete Carroll out of there, take John McKay out of there, really, and just put Urban in there twice. Yep. Uh, we'll see if anyone ever makes that mistake again. Of course, they will. Patriots at Texans. I don't have anything to say about the Texans. I just feel sorry for Davis Mills. Yeah. Uh, a couple things about the Patriots. They had a really interesting defensive strategy against the Buccaneers, and it showed up early to me, even on the broadcast angle. They were going to play heavy man, vary their fronts. And, I, you know, they did different things in coverage. From what I saw, their coverage was pretty good. You know, it was they were going to man up. They were going to, you know, guy on a guy all the way over. And it worked. And this looked to me like, okay, this is the resuscitation of the 2019 Patriots defense where the fronts looked like a Petri dish and you knew exactly what you're going to get in the secondary. Um, I want to get your thoughts on that because when they did that in 2019, they had the personnel and of course they just traded Gilmore out and he hadn't played this year anyway, but they have guys stepping up to me. This looks like, the the biggest take I got of that, besides the fact that Matthew Judon is the team MVP after four weeks, um, this is the defense, the Belichicks, I will say. Um, sorry, Steve, for all the memes you got, but right, are, are those signals? With the I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, um, but this this to me is the defense they want to play, and yeah. now they have the personnel to do it after all the opt outs and the whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like they're fairly comfortable on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I, I think a lot of people when the Gilmore news came out, it was like, well, this sh probably shouldn't have surprised us because after what we saw Sunday night, they probably feel really comfortable with what they have in the secondary. They feel comfortable with what they have up front. I mean, the defense played well against Tom Brady. I mean, if you would have told Patriot fans going in, Brady and the offense in Tampa Bay would have one touchdown and settle for field goals and be one of four down in the red zone. Like, you would have taken that. Uh, the, the question in New England is just Mac Jones and his development. Yeah, and I think Mac well, played... Yeah, the, well, the, just the one crap great. pass Tampa Bay had where Matthew Judon pushed just Donovan destroyed. into yeah. Ronald Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, Mac Jones, he's on the Chad Pennington plan, and that's okay for now. Yeah. One of 11 deep passes for 27 yards and a pick against the Saints in week three. Against the Buccaneers, he attempted one pass of 20 or more yards, and it was intercepted. So it's like, okay, we're going to bring this way back. And, you know, you tell me, is this – uh, short term, long term, like where where do you think they are with Matt Jones? I know they're happy with him, um, and he made so. I mean, I wrote a piece. Okay, they lost, but the kid looked really good, and people were giving me pushback, like, "Well, you didn't do anything deep." Like, well, maybe he's just not he's not seeing that right now. Yeah, I mean, like uh, a dot, right? Average depth of target. That's like the big phrase on every Patriots fan's mind right now. It's like yeah. he's not pushing the ball downfield, and are there opportunities for him to do that? Absolutely. And sometimes he made those throws. Sometimes he didn't. And, you know, that's part of the balancing act of a young quarterback, like the Zach Wilson phrase from preseason, right? What you can and can get, what you can and cannot get away with as a quarterback. And, you know, I, I think the interception he threw, um, that was the one vertical pass, deep pass that he had. Um, defender made a great play. Yep. It was the right read. And I think this is a short-term problem, not a long-term problem with Mac Jones. I think over time he'll learn to sort of attack some windows when he can. I think the arm strength is going to get better over time. He has a, like I'd say an NFL average arm. Like, I don't think it's great, but it could get better over time. 
And, and the so, shot plays at Alabama were mostly his receivers just demolishing coverage. That's and the other thing. Like he's not five throwing to Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith right now. Yeah. So, and, and so it, you know, it will take some time. Um, they don't have anyone who can separate like that. No, not the way those guys can. Absolutely not. So the windows are going to be, you know, tighter and with a rookie quarterback that has, I mean, the one thing with new England was there was an expectation that the offensive line was going to be fantastic in front of it. It hasn't been, it hasn't been a good offensive line. And, you know, they're, they're struggling at the right tackle spot right now with Trent Brown being injured. And Mac Jones has had to move around in the pocket a little bit more. And well, they blitz him a shit time. Yeah. On Sunday. Off the right side, and and they influenced him on the interception that he had. I mean, he had two free runners at him. Yeah. So is that bad? That's not great. That's not great. Bears at Raiders. Uh, there are three things I want abolished from the NFL immediately. There is the fourth down behind the line of scrimmage flat pass to Najee Harris. There is the Eagles inverted cover two, and there's whatever country cover three, the Raiders and the Seahawks are barfing out on any even week. Well, here comes Justin Fields <laughs> who against country cover three is probably going to be pretty good. But the difference between I did a long tape piece on this this week because I had excoriated Matt Nagy the week before. And, you know, Matt is they're They're hammering stuff into the concrete head and it's starting to work. He's going to be the starter going forward, but you know, Hopefully, because if, with Matt Nagy as his play caller, disaster. With Bill Lazor as his play caller, one step beyond night and day. Um, Lazor gave Fields everything he needed to play winning football at the position. There are three-level route combinations to stress the defense. Fields took advantage of them, reduced splits to spread the passing game out horizontally as Sean McVay would do and other teams are catching on. Far more play action and motion respecting fields as a run threat, keeping extra men in for protection and still getting separation on two man route concepts because the separation was so good. So now you get the readers of that secondary, their spot drop cover three bull crap. And this, I mean, fields on deep passes against the lions, four of six for 151 yards. He hasn't thrown a touchdown yet. And he had a pick off a deflected pass at the line, but he did everything else. Getting to his second and third reads, looking the safeties off it was a game plan that made him comfortable and he could show everything he could do. And, you know, I wrote, if they go back to Andy Dalton at this point, I just don't know, apparently or not, but it, it was like, Oh gosh, here's, here's all the things Justin Fields can really do. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think part of what we also saw was, the vertical elements to that passing offense meshed a lot better. And we talked about this, I believe last week with the Ryan day playbook, the Ryan day offense that he was running at Ohio state where, you know, you might have in that offense at Ohio state offense routes that convert, you know, 10 yards downfield, whether post go corner, comeback, something like that. That's going to help him a run stuff that he's familiar with. And B Chris Carter talked about it. Like, it's a longer developed play, so he can anticipate those throws a little bit better. When it's the Matt Nagy slant flat, curl flat, quick game kind of stuff, things have to happen in an instant. And for a young quarterback with Fields' background, not that Fields can't run that. It's that he's used to doing other stuff, and he's a rookie quarterback like we just talked about with Mac Jones, where the game is so much faster for him now. That wasn't the best mesh for him from a playbook to scheme to talent to trade standpoint. This deeper stuff, that's where he needs to be right now. And so they deserve the laser deserves a ton of credit for that game plan. Well, and the deeper stuff wasn't Matt Nagy's, you know, boundary vert crap with the three yeah. yard stop routes underneath. This was 
you know, motion to levels. This was, you know, uh, maybe an over post combo with two receivers and you keep your tight ends. And it was, you know, it was just, it was much better. And I hope it continues for him because, and, and okay. So you Matt Nagy is your coach. For some reason you want to keep him. You put him on the Mike McCarthy plan. You let someone run the offense, someone on the defense, and he's just there to eat sandwiches. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, Whatever. It, it's not my money. So. Yep. <laughs> Moving on, uh, Browns at Chargers, one of the more interesting games of the week. And I'm going to hand it over to you because you wrote a great piece on Baker Mayfield. What are your conclusions about Baker at this point? Well, before we just before we went on air, I said, is he is he starting to look like a Jared Goff, which would surprise me because I thought when he came into the league, he had a lot more on the ball as far as just physical tools than Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff is just a, a he's one of those that's like Garoppolo. There's just the ceiling is right here and you're going to bang your head on it. Um, what are you seeing from Baker? Well, and I think a lot of it might just be due due to the injury, right? Yeah, because sure. he's, it, it came out this morning after I wrote this piece I mean, that he has a, you know, partial tear of the labrum and his non-thrown shoulder. That can be a big reason why Baker has not played well the past couple of weeks since he heard that game and heard it in that week two game against Houston, because, now, Baker dated back to his days at Oklahoma. I always want to like to say a torquey thrower of the football. He uses his upper body to generate a ton of torque on, on throws and his throw in motion to get velocity on throws. But when you have that injury, the last thing you sometimes want to do is rip through the throw in motion with that front shoulder. Mm. And so you might be more hesitant with that. You might not be as violent, as whippy, as torquey with that. And when you start adjusting mechanical throw in motion movements on the fly, like he is, it's going to lead to some misses. And so ultimately, look, ultimately he might still be sort of Mahomes light. Ultimately he might be the guy you would probably give the extension to. Ultimately that's probably where I would probably come down on this. Anyway, the problem is, is Baker, the, the Baker we're seeing right now, that's sort of hesitant and missing on throws. Is that who he is or not? Because if it is, then the Browns have a more difficult decision. If the guy we're seeing right now, it's just the injury, then okay, you probably go and extend him because the idea of sort of resetting your your time and your clock at the quarterback position probably isn't appealing. But the, I don't. I just don't think that it's an immediate cut and dry hand in the big check. Like some team eventually is going to say, "Look, we use this offensive system to prop up a young quarterback. He's good in it, but he's not great." So why not just reset the clock? Cleveland's probably good enough where they could say, given what we have around him, we can pay him and we'll just roll this forward. Eventually, some team's going to go in the, the other direction. Like the Rams should have done with Jared Goff. Right. They, you know, they gave him all the money and then, you know, they, okay, <laughs> whoops. And yeah. then they got Matthew Stafford. And of course, yeah, uh, much better. But you consider all, everything they had to give up to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's the thing. Well, they're the third youngest team in the league. They're already competitive. Yeah. It's not like their, their window is just opening up and they've got a brilliant front office. I think Stefanski is a great coach. Their defense is worlds better than it was last year. Um, Yeah. It's, it's an interesting, I hope it's just a shoulder. Cause I'm so too. Cause look, because I was like looking at the examples of the plays you you showed in your article. And I'm like, that does, I think because it, it doesn't look like him and you know, the, the missing Odell by 10 yards. Yeah. 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that I picked in the Browns to get to the Super Bowl. This is a quarterback at Baker that I think I had like 11 overall, you know, when I did my top 15 quarterbacks. Oh, well, it's just the Mark. This is just the Mark Schofield curse. Yeah, I guess that's it. That's all it is. That's that's all this is because look, I I I I still look. Baker is the kind of quarterback. I said this when he was coming out. He doesn't want to just beat you. He wants to like end you. He wants yeah. to finish you. And I absolutely love and adore that about a quarterback. And so, I'm praying that like it is just the shoulder and the guy we've seen the past couple of weeks is is, is not Baker Mayfield. That we see Baker start ripping throws again, and the decision is easy. But if it's not, if the guy we saw missing those throws against Minnesota is who Baker Mayfield is overall, and he can't make those three to five throws a game that differentiate you between being a great quarterback and a good quarterback, is that a guy you give the big money extension to? Is that the money that this front office would give the big money extension to? Well, back to the boxing analogy, you know, should he be a volume puncher and a boxer? And he thinks he's George Foreman or Mike Tyson. I'm yeah, gonna, you know, here come my haymakers, and well, you don't really have that. That's not who you are. Yeah, you know, you you need to you need to strike consistent blows instead of thinking that you can just knock a you know knock a guy out with one punch. That yeah. you know, common thing with quarterbacks. <clears throat> uh, Giants at Cowboys. Note to Patrick Graham, Giants defensive coordinator: Do not play man coverage against Dak Prescott. He will kill you, and you will die. Last week, the Panthers, who have a defense better than the Giants have, played man coverage on 22 of Dak Prescott's passing attempts. Dak completed 14 of those passes for 188 yards and four touchdowns. Is that bad? That's bad. Yeah. Uh, Giants in man coverage this season, 108 for uh, 108 of 144 for 1,086 yards, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. That is also bad. Uh, correction, three of those touchdowns Dak threw against the Panthers, came against man, not four. Uh, so that's the thing. Note to Jason Garrett, the Giants offensive coordinator, let Daniel Jones throw deep. That is all yep. might yep. be, might be your only shot against the Cowboys. And again, this Cowboys defense is not last year's Cowboys defense at no, all. this no, is, Dan, it's not. this is like super Dan Quinn. This is full metal Dan Quinn. And it's, it's great to see. Yeah. I mean, Trayvon Diggs looks great. This defense looks re- much improved over last year. Um, Dak is playing well for the Giants. Look, I, I did a whole thing on that game against the Saints. Daniel Jones, let him throw vertical. Jason Garrett deserves a ton of credit, I think, in my mind, for some of the stuff he did schematically. Um, We've both given Jason Garrett credit this year. We may be the only two people, only two football analysts in the world to do so. Maybe, but I I think more people kind of warmed up to Garrett after what they saw, you know, him do against New Orleans. I I thought that was a good game plan. This could be a fascinating game. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't think that, the Giants are necessarily as bad as one and three would have you think. Um, I don't know if they're good enough to win this game, though. Um, but I, I think the Giants are better than one and three. Uh, 49ers at Cardinals. Uh, I'm not sure what Garoppolo's status is. Trey Lance has been practicing with the starters this week. It yeah. could be a Lance game. Um, Cardinals defense wrote a piece on this yesterday against the Rams. No matter how much four by one empty weirdness, you know double crossers and double slants. The Cardinals were not afraid of any of it. They were not afraid to play man and match against it. They weren't rolling one and two super deep as a lot of defenses do. And this showed up early when I watched the the overhead, it was like, you guys are lining both of your safeties up in two deep, like eight yards off the line of scrimmage against Matthew Stafford. That takes a lot of confidence. Uh, Buda Baker, Isaiah Simmons, Byron Murphy, three young players with franchise potential who have all shown massive improvement this season. Uh, and all of it, like the Cowboys defense this year, Osa Odigizua, 
the mostly defensive tackle who sometimes goes out as in these the and the Panthers with Morgan Fox. Like these defenses that ascend, they all have these sort of secret superstars who just show up every week and you go, oh, I didn't know about him. Because, yeah, Trevon Diggs and Micah Parsons, Osa is balling out. Yep. And the guy for the Cardinals is Jalen Thompson, third year, fifth round supplemental draft pick out of Washington State, lost his last year of eligibility. He was a Benerica Award guy. He was like, you know, second team all pack, whatever it was at that point, uh, 8, 10, 12. No, you never know. So he was not a secret coming out. He, he bought a substance that was not a steroid, but the NCA didn't allow it. So he lost his last year of eligibility. Don't get me started on the NCA as usual, but he's sort of been the guy who uh, Stafford had a, like a skinny post to Robert Woods in the end zone in that game. And Thompson knew exactly when to bump Woods off his stem and then just erased Woods in coverage once the throw was made. Robert Woods is one of the better, most consistent, most practiced route runners in the NFL. I'm not going to say the Cardinals defense is great, like top five, but they're on the way. And all their young guys are sort of getting it. Like, yeah. uh, I know before the season, Vance Joseph said, okay, we tried to make Isaiah Simmons learn six different positions. Now we're going to play him at, you know, Mike. And maybe he's still playing. Like, you played three snaps at outside corner against the Rams. And on one of them, Stafford was trying to throw a backdoor fade to Tyler Higby and Simmons had Higby covered all the way. Stafford had to throw it up. He had to throw it away. Yeah. It doesn't show up in the stat sheet, but you watch the tape and you're like, this guy's, you know, six, three, two, forty. He's playing outside corner against a tight end and he's shutting him down. So we all talk about Kyler and he's playing rollerball with Rondell Moore. And they had that 12 yard drive against the Rams where all they did was run the ball. And I think Cliff is just like, yeah, you think I'm air raid, air raid, air raid, you know, the Eli Manning double finger. Right. Um, like I said, I don't think they're, they're not, they're not like what Carolina's defense is, but maybe they're where, where Carolina's defense was last year when Aaron Rodgers called them strange. Like no. it's just starting to, or and with like that the offense Seahawks in 2012 where you, it's yeah. just, okay, here we go. And with that offense, that might be good enough. At least 30 points. I think they're the first team. I don't remember the exact, like the first team in NFL history or in a long time to win their first four games and score at least 30 points in each game. Yeah. Uh, Byron Murphy is first season, 10 touchdowns allowed His second season. I think five touchdowns allowed. I think this season he's allowed one. He has three picks. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, JJ Watt does not have a sack this year, but he has more total pressures than any interior defensive lineman, not named Aaron Donald or Cameron Hayward. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And what he did to Rob Havenstein with this sort of hump move. Yeah. <laughs> and Stafford somehow hit Woods on a 20-yarder because he's, you know, Matthew Stafford, and he's insanely good. But he had Havenstein on the rack, and he it was like this close to a sack. And you know how it is. When, when a guy has that many pressures and no sacks, generally speaking, the sacks are coming, and it's going to be like a four-sack game against somebody. Uh, yep. Could be against Trey Lamps. We'll see. But uh, yeah, I, I just, and I love Arizona's offense. I think, you know, Cliff has gotten out of his static personnel crap, but I do think that Vance Joseph and this defense, it, it's to me, it's why they're going to be, they're not just a tough out anymore. They are a contender. They've passed the whole, oh, aren't they, you know, feisty phase. This yeah. is a team you now have to deal with and they're not going away. No, they're not. This is a loud four and oh. Yep. Uh, Bills at Chiefs. 
uh, I did a deep sort of tape dive on the Chiefs defense this week, and here's here are my notes uh, why they just stink. Uh, because Spagnuolo's not doing anything really radically different, and it was like, okay, we have the guys to do this, and we can play cover zero blitz because Mahomes is going to throw for 18 touchdowns every game. But they move Chris Jones outside, and they're running really light at tackle. And they've allowed 584 rushing yards and a league high tied with the Texans, eight touchdowns from nose tackle to four eye. Anytime you're tied with the Texans this year, bad. Only the Seahawks and Eagles have allowed more rushing yards between the tackles. The linebackers are not playing well. Jarius Sneed is taking a step back. Tyron Matthew is still playing his ass off as always, um, but he's not having the same impact, probably because everyone else around him is just, eh, they don't have Frank Clark. Uh, the Eagles game seemed to be the MO. Try a bunch of stuff, hope it works. It probably won't, but it doesn't matter because Mahomes will just go off. But when you're letting Jalen Hurts look like Dan Marino with running ability, this will not get you back to the Super Bowl. And I'm getting serious Bob Sutton flashbacks here. Yeah, and I mean, it won't be easy. It certainly won't be like it was last week, right? Because now you get Josh Allen. Now you get Josh Allen, who is Dan Marino looks with running to be, ability when he's on. <laughs> yeah, that offense yeah. looks to be sort of figuring it out. Yeah. Um, Less static, more motion, more route concepts. I don't know why they got like super vanilla the first two weeks. That's not happening anymore. No, it's not happening anymore. They're, they're moving around pre-snap. Josh Allen is doing some great stuff post-snap. Um you know, obviously that Chiefs offense is going to score points. I mean, the problem is it's built to just overwhelm you. That roster is that that team right now is built to just overwhelm you with points. The Bills can go blow for blow with them on the yep. offensive side of the ball. And the Bills defense might be able to get a stop or two. Well, let me tell you about the Bills defense. Uh, they've played broken offenses in the Steelers, Dolphins, Washington, the Texans. But I'm looking at, I mean, they prefer to play zone coverage. They are the NFL's best zone defense. 29 catches, a lot on 54 attempts for 284 yards, no touchdowns, three picks, and an opponent QBR of 4.45.6. Broncos rank second in opposing QBR, allowed in zone coverage at 56.2. Levi Wallace has taken a major step forward. Tredavious White looks like the Tredavious he was before he got hurt last year. Teron Johnson, who had two pick sixes in the slot, one of Ben, one of Lamar last year. He's right there again. Uh, it seems like the entire linebacker core got picks against Davis Mills last Sunday because they did. Uh, everyone, and what was their problem last year? Pass rush. It's not just Rousseau who's looking good. AJ Epinesa has taken a, yeah, major, a huge step forward. Uh, you know, to ask uh, Tua about that because Epinesa was the guy who unfortunately knocked him out. He's damn near unblockable. Um, Pat Mahomes can waste any defense when he's on, but as this is another, it's kind of like the Cardinals, but at the next level with the bills, the bills defense, they were like a healthy Tredavious white and a pass rush away last year from just mowing the rest of the league over. And that's kind of where they are right now. I would posit at this point, the bills defense makes them a slightly more threatening team than even their offense does. And that is scary. Yeah, that is scary, but I think that's exactly right. And that defense, like I just like I was just saying, will probably be good enough on Sunday night to get a stop or two. And in this game that we expect to be a track meet, that might be enough. Now, Matt Milano, I was listening to – I don't know what his status is. I think he has a hamstring of some sort. I think it was Cosell on the Ross Tucker podcast was saying that. <laughs> That'd be a problem because he's sort of the epicenter of the whole thing. But Tremaine Evans, I believe, won Defensive Player of the Week in the AFC. 
So yeah, they've got it. All, and, and this is, I always admired Sean McDermott because usually defensive minded head coaches will just, you know, throw the offense to some half ass and right. he didn't do that. No, nope. now you're seeing zone heavy. That's Leslie Frazier uh, blitz heavy. That's McDermott going back to his time with Jim Johnson in Philadelphia. Yep. They have the personnel to match the scheme and their defense was good last year. This year it's great. Yep. And you know, it's why I picked them to go to and win the Super Bowl. It's looking like a good pick. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Colts at Ravens. I want to get your thoughts about Lamar here. I thought he's starting to make some of the next level thing. He's putting the next level things together as a passer. He missed a couple of early hole shots early on against the Broncos, but I'm seeing him throw with better timing and anticipation, making throws he might not have made earlier in his career. When he said the thing about Greg Roman's offense being predictable, I went back and looked at the, you know, okay, the route concepts were actually pretty multiple. Lamar is just not seeing it this year. I think he's seeing it better. Is that what you've observed or am I just over here out of my mind? Maybe I watched no. the coffee. I don't know. No, 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 no. That's, that's what I was. I saw that against Detroit. He was making some throws in the pocket, you know, doing some sort of subtle pocket movement. Yeah. He had some misses against Denver. That's a good Denver defense. Um, but he's still making some reads, making some throws, throwing with anticipation. Like I, I think he's, gotten better from the pocket, which is what one of the sort of major criticisms of Lamar was. It was, you know, he's always going to have to rely on the outside. He's always going to have to rely on his athleticism. He's not going to stand in there on the pocket on third and seven and make good reads and throws. Which, it, which in 2019, when he won MVP, was absolutely untrue because he was one of the best quarterbacks from the pocket that year. Last yeah. year, Ronnie Stanley got hurt. He didn't have a pocket. So just to break in, that was a canard two years ago. Yeah. But I mean, that's 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 the, always been the line against against Lamar has been, you know, he's he's not an NFL passer, he's not an NFL pocket quarterback. I think he's a lot better. And this dates back to Louisville. Like I thought yeah. he was even good in the pocket at Louisville in that offense, where he was asked to make reads and throws and progressions and all that stuff. And I pulled up during the year he was coming out all these playbook examples and paired them with plays and said, look, these are the reads he's making. It's been the sort of easy crutch criticism of Lamar data back to then. And I think it's been flawed. It was flawed then. I think it's flawed now. I have to try and find, Oh, here it is. Now we're going to make Bobby Petrino jokes. Urban Myers here, but yeah, this book, which you told me about, yeah, this is the whole Petrino offense. Yeah. Lamar was running that shit. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy with where the Mar is sort of from a developmental and pocket management and all that stuff standpoint. And I don't want to talk about Carson Wentz because it just makes me sad. Okay. That works for me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good stuff, man. As always, uh, go read Mark's piece on Baker Mayfield. It's the top of the fold on touchdown wire. Uh, we got, you know, all kinds of tape stuff. Lori Fitzpatrick is coming up with a tape piece on Trevon Diggs. That'll be fun um or actually she did that and now she's doing something on stefan gilmore we're being very timely here so check all that out keep it uh on touchdown wire and my friend we will talk to you next week sounds great